Hi, welcome back. I'm here with Dave Feynman. Dave, how are you? Doing great, thank you. Glad hey, to be here. For, yeah, th well, thanks for joining me today. As I have shared leading up to this, as we've talked, your narrative around workforce planning and how it connects with the future of work is uncommon in that it both is clear and it inspires. So if you would introduce yourself and more about the topic we'll be discussing today. Great. Well, thanks. I appreciate that. So good to be here. So um, uh, Dave Feynman, I uh, currently am the um, global leader for workforce planning, people analytics, and HR enablement, which is really our HR processes within PTC, which is a software company. Uh, also, um, am an associate uh, at the Columbia um, School of Professional Studies, where it's part of their human capital management program. So something started to help sort of give back and also train sort of our next generation of HR leaders, which is also very nice. And uh, my background really, uh, while I've been at PTC for just about two years, is really a mix of consulting and industry. And so that's the, the sort of background that I bring. Um, for about the first two thirds of my career, I've actually was more business transformation. And then the last third has been really within the HR space. So try to bring in that mix of both um, sort of the business as well as HR as we approach this topic. Well, I, I mean, there's so much we can talk about because the future of work can get esoteric really quick because it's so broad when we talk mm -hmm. about workplace strategy, diversity, equity, and inclusion, you know, talent acquisition, you know, how far down the pipeline, talent pipeline do you get? Do you partner with educational institutions and other partners? So as we start, can yep. you please define workforce planning? What, what is it to you? Sure. Um, so actually, we've got a little slide. Could you just pop that up? Sure. I can okay. do that. Because I think it's helpful to, to think. So when I think about sort of workforce planning, and as we described it to our clients when in my prior life at Deloitte as a consultant, or even now when we're working with our stakeholders internally, I try to use like the, the circle that you see here in terms of its different components, because workforce planning really is, um, in its essence, it's workforce strategy. It really is what's the strategy that we're trying to prepare for achieving all of our business objectives. And really you do that in the traditional sense, it was all about having the right skills in the right location at the right cost at the right time, right? For an organization. However, when we now think about sort of the future of work and compare it, and when, when I think of future work, right? It's not only the, uh, the whole notion of teams, and how people work together in that setting, but it's also bringing in automation, it's bringing in third parties, right? It's not just necessarily the employed workforce. So that's when we start also bringing in these components of work design, which is to make sure, for instance, that we are set up for success that way. Also for the organization, again, what are the alternatives? As I mentioned, whether it's bringing gig workers or the, or the crowd and you know, crowdsourcing activities, being able to use you know, contingent um, for many locations, right? Was, hasn't been an issue until the last two years when everybody's really now thinking about that. And then um, the uh, other element, of course, is what's the approach? And what really mean by that is what's right for your organization as you go forward, right? To be able to do some of that planning that you do and then incorporate it into, uh, again, achievement of the strategy. You know, I'm, I'm going to do something just for fun. I'm just going to sure. like put me on screen and I'm going to show my big smile. <laughs> I, I am, I am so ecstatic that you are putting together 
how work gets done. So it's not only a workforce strategy, a workforce plan. It's like, okay, what is the work and what is the best way, most effective, efficient way to get the work done? Is it with a contractor? Is it with AI? Is it with an outsource provider? So for me, that then starts around, okay, who do you get in the room to have these discussions? Because it's multifaceted. We've uh, yep. you know, have these functional disciplines. So can you talk about the governance or the, and in addition, the meeting frequency and, you know, what does that rhythm look like? Absolutely. Well, again, it all starts with the business, right? So you really have to know what's the business strategy. What is it you're trying to achieve as an organization? Um, what is it that, uh, you know, we've set for corporate objectives for the year, let's say, or two years, three years, four years out, hopefully the longer, the better on that. Uh, the other, of course, from a stakeholder standpoint, uh, besides sort of those business entities, very much is finance, right? We talked about cost. So what's that cost envelope that we have to work with and how can we best understand that? You know, other important stakeholders, of course, are uh, folks within real estate. Um, you know, and blessed to, certainly for me to work with a great group right now, uh, because that's a big question about strategy. Where do we want to be? Because it's not just an understanding of saying, okay, there's a great pocket of skills in this area in X location, can we get office space? Is it the right sort of total sort of envelope to be able to have that? Um, you also, of course, have to work again within all aspects of the HR organization. Talent acquisition certainly is paramount, but also again, it's our, you know, my colleagues in the total reward space, uh, the benefit space. How do we make sure we have a good employee value proposition to be able to move that forward? Um, and I'm sure there's other uh, folks that I've left out, but just really it's, oh, of course, training and development, sorry, learning and develop, because it's all, especially as we think about skills and uh, what, what are those skills we want to use going forward, or at least in our organization there, that's a group that uh, has track of that. And then, you know, we want good platforms, right, to be mm -hmm. able to have, so some of the HR technology. So that's actually one of the things that I'm very excited about is it's not single siloed. Mm -hmm. Right. It's working across, uh, it's just, sorry, one other, um, and we'll see, you know, in a second, I mean, throw up a slide, but, um, it's really also founded in analytics, mm -hmm. right? So you really need to know what's happening in the organization, both internally and externally. Um, so there are a myriad of partners that we would also have on the external side. Yeah. I, I'm sitting here, I'm getting all giddy, getting <laughs> excited because what you're talking about, uh, unfortunately isn't the norm. Uh, but the narrative needs to be pushed first and foremost, and then the models and processes needs to support it. So what I, you know, from my vantage mm -hmm. point, what I see you doing in this regard is innovative. And I think it's going to become the norm moving forward. So I got a host of questions and I'm going to have to prioritize them in our, no our limited time here. But my question is, is this, what do you call it? I, I, when historically workforce planning, as you well know, has ebbed mm -hmm. and flowed over time. It's like, I don't have time for that because that's future and I need butts and seeds right now. You know, mm -hmm. And hey, I got my initiatives and my function. I don't have time for this all strategic stuff. And so what I see you as I'm listening is that you're a facilitator. You're generating the insight, you're facilitating discussion, you're making sure that there's some cohesion to this strategy. So again, going back to my question, you know, what do you call it? And how do you keep these disparate groups aligned? Mm -hmm. Um, 
call it sort of general workforce planning, but um, not necessarily having to fit within a certain box. Because the other thing is, depending on where we are as an organization and the different functions within our organization or other organizations, they're going to be working on different things, mm -hmm. right? So to different areas of emphasis. So for instance, um, actually, I have a slide um, that has several boxes going across. Mm -hmm. See if you can bring that up. I can. Because this may be helpful to sort of explain. Um, it's, it's not a maturity model but it's a way of looking at sort of different components of where we might say, uh, you know, sort of this planning activity is focused. Uh, the first really on the, on the left-hand side is, as I mentioned before, it's that grounding and reporting and analytics, right? Needing to have that insight into what's happening with your workforce, the composition, you know, the movement, um, you know, up, down, laterally, et cetera, uh, that we have across the organization. Uh, for many organizations, they also, you know, workforce management, it might be what they would call planning. And that is that short-term scheduling, right? If you're a retail organization or you have a, um, you know, a call center, right? You need to make sure you're staffed for that immediate demand in terms of what you have. That may be sufficient for what you need in terms of planning at that level, right? For other kinds, we, you know, typically many organizations look at what we call headcount planning, which is that short-term, are we balancing the, re the positions that we have or the requisitions within our financial constraints. So especially for many public companies, when they may slow hiring, right? If they think that they're a little too hot, right? Or be able to accelerate if there's even additional capacity and financial dollars, that kind of is what we may call that type of planning. Uh, the, the third or the fourth one, sort of that operational, that's that, you know, maybe two to three year look, probably more role-based. And that's, you know, in addition with our financial, with our financial plans, right? How do we think we're going to operate those roles, those locations, et cetera, that all come within that. Now we get to the strategic sides on, uh, you know, as we get further to the right, where are we adding skills, right? And maybe that's that longer term. And especially when we think about reskilling, right? Where do we need to be able to bring in those components? And then finally, that future work, which really think about, again, that longer augmented workforce. All right, using altern alternates, how do you bring in the gigs or the contractors or the technologies to be able to do that? So actually, I think for our organization and most organizations, they'll probably do a combination of all six of these, right? But it has to be, again, back to that approach, what's right for that particular business unit at the time and to fit with the corporate objectives. Does that hopefully address the, the question you were asking? Yeah, it absolutely does. And one of the things that I like to call out is number one, the distinctions that you make are meaningful, but where do they live? Mm -hmm. uh, meaning you as the leader of workforce planning and people analytics, I imagine select the one that's most appropriate given the business need of your internal customer. Is that in fact true? Or are you socializing these definitions throughout your stakeholder group? Yeah, I mean, we've, we've socialized them through and certainly working with our HR business partners, who I might have mentioned before. So um, sorry about that. But uh, they are really the conduits to the business, right? Because our HR business partners are very much set so that they understand the corporate strategy they, mm -hmm. uh, and the business unit strategy of what they support. Uh, and so it's not necessarily that we're sitting and, and, you know, having a big meeting to decide which function we do. It's just, again, what's appropriate, what feels right. And that may be where we bring out some of the tools, mm -hmm. right? Which is to say, okay, so if you need to do something that's more capacity management, sort of that workforce management, 
maybe there's just a simple supply and demand, um, you know, model that you might create. Or if there's now when you're thinking about something at the far right in terms of automation, then you may do more, much more business process review, right? And then we might bring in also, you know, our RPA group and the folks that are much more focused on, on those kinds of issues. So again, it's nice to have many different elements in our toolkit, but I think it just happens more organically rather than saying specifically, you're in this box, you're in this other box. Well, yeah, let's talk about the process now, because uh, I know you have a, a narrative around that and, you know, something that I imagine would have to ebb and flow based on the needs, the meeting rhythms of your you know, stakeholder group. Uh, do you want to talk to that? Sure. So from a process, again, we take um, the guide very much so from the corporate planning process, right? As I said, it all starts with the corporate plan which is what do you want from a strategic planning process? And again, for, based on for your organization, is it a one-year view? Is it a two-year? Is it a five-year? However long, right? If it was a very capital-intensive industry, right? Electric utility or something else, you might be looking out 20 years in terms of how you have some high-level processes. And then sort of as you think about that uh, strategy that you have for the business, all functional groups, including HR from a talent perspective, but others, finance, technology, et cetera, start to bring together their own strategies in terms of how they're all going to help achieve those business objectives, because it all needs to be integrated, right? Um, and then for specifically when we think about um, from a workforce planning perspective, it again starts with that data. What's that input that you need from our internal sources where we have, you know, a myriad of um, you know, sources coming from our HRIS, but well as uh, some of the other uh, systems that support our functions. And then we really rely on a lot of external data sources. So really being able to look at that information to be able to see, um, you know, what are our competitors doing? Who are they hiring? What are the skills that they're hiring and being able to go for? And how does that sort of uh, help us give a guide for where, um, what our future direction might be? And again, a lot of great um, sources you know, for that information, different taxonomies, different ways of looking at skills. And then sort of we, we start to do more of that planning uh, and modeling from an internal perspective, understanding some of the skills, especially in those critical workforce segments that we really need to have to be able to achieve our objectives, right? What are those? Now, it's interesting because, you know, PTC, for instance, is a 35-year-old software company. Um, when we think about the skills that may have brought the company to this point, they're very different then what we're going to need for the future, right? Especially as we think about, you know, changes of technology to come to SaaS, right? Movement to the cloud, changing sales uh, types of activities. So it's really that understanding of, again, where's the business trying to go? What else do you need to do to be able to support that? And then, yeah. you know, and then really at the end of the day, sorry, as you do this planning and modeling, it's really all about the talent programs, right? Mm -hmm. Then what is we want to do from a learning and development standpoint? What do we need to do from an acquisition standpoint? What about compensation? So again, it's that uh, all of HR being able to work in concert to be able to help achieve. Yeah, taking off that last point, HR working yep. in concert, there are a lot of scenarios that are emerging from this work, correct me if I'm wrong. And then there's a lot of decisions that have to ensue, decisions that affect one another. 
what does that decision-making process look like? Who's making the final call? Is it operations? Is it the CHRO? Is there a governance committee that meets once a month, once a quarter? What does that look like? Um, so we've had the governance in the past, especially as we're starting it up. I mean, I've been mm -hmm. at PTC just under two years. So certainly for our first little bit, it was how do we start to incorporate this where we relied on a very good cross-functional governance group that we have. Um, I work with my finance colleagues all the time. I mean, literally, I have a stand up every morning with folks in finance just to make sure here's where, where are we? Have there been any changes to things that have been going on? Um, just to, again, make sure that we are also uh, very much aligned. Um, mm -hmm. And then it's a matter of, well, what is HR trying to do from a program standpoint? How does it all fit within our budget? So, um, I mean, we meet, I would say it's a specific cadence that we have, um, but we do try to follow our corporate cycles. Mm -hmm. And um, and then being able to also, you know, have the different levers that we want. Again, acquisition, or do things need change, right? Because we may have an initial plan, but depending on business conditions, we might want to change that. Oh, we didn't need these two positions. We actually need three in some other place. And so it's mm -hmm. really having that flexibility for us, but it's open dialogue and conversation. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I'm absolutely loving what you're sharing because in number one, <laughs> yeah, I think it the world needs to go here. And it's like the, there's a saying, the future is here. It's just not widely distributed yet. And that's what I'm hearing and seeing of what you're doing uh, there at PTC, because it is really acknowledging that there are external disruptions. There are external factors that are affecting the system for which you're responsible. And within the system itself, it's dynamic. You know, there's, it's filled with human beings who have different skills and abilities, life stages. And to understand that on an ongoing basis requires data and analytics and the willingness to to commit resources to gain an understanding. Mm -hmm. So my question coming out of this, you are also responsible for people analytics. Mm -hmm. Do you, if, is your workforce planning, uh, people analytics, and correct me if I'm wrong, process sure. enablement work, is that truly all integrated or do you see those at, as discrete buckets within what you're responsible for? Well, there, there's some sort of segmentation just because we might have some different resources. Uh, we have a small but mighty team um, that is uh, working towards all of these. So there's a lot of integration of where we come together. Um, and a lot of it, again, is from a people analytics standpoint, what do we want to have what, you know, for our business to run the business? Uh, again, we have some great uh, technology tools that uh, are very helpful in terms of getting information to those end users in an easy to use manner that they can also do self-service. Well, that's something that's important. Um, but we also, again, try to look towards the, what's the strategy and do we need to delve deeper into, you know, specific areas in terms of, you know, the, the you know, great resignation that may be happening, of course, across the organization. Do, what do we know from our sensing, right, and some of our survey work? Can we understand drivers that might uh, affect certain segments more than others? And then again, it all comes back to what are our talent programs that we could put in place? If you're not doing it in support of a talent program, then mm -hmm. why are you doing it? And, sure. you know, it was all, um, I remember talking to some, you know, former people analytics colleagues, which is, so what are you prepared to do, right? If you're going to uncover this analysis, let's make sure we can do something that's actionable. And so that's probably one of our main um, areas that we focus on. And so that uh, speaks to uh, 
business readiness. And I want to acknowledge Kevin Miles' question and he calls out that business readiness is currently an obstacle as well. Um, change management, obviously in this field and making sure that we're just not doing this in a silo. You've spoken to the governance and how you interrelate with your internal customers and stakeholders. Business readiness, what does that look like to you and how do you solve for it? Uh, part of it is communication. So we have some um, you know, internal uh, documents that we would share uh, in terms of what it is that we're trying to do, our objectives. It's, uh, you know, fortunately working closely with, as I said, our partners in the other functions to make sure that we're aligned there. Um, and it's meeting, it goes back to that approach. It's meeting the business where it is mm -hmm. and saying, well, if we want to do some forecasting, right, there are a couple of ways to do it. We could try to come up with something in the back going, you know, here's what a progression might look like and, you know, maintaining certain targets. Or depending on the business unit, some of them may want to get much more heavily involved in actually preparing for that. So it's it's trying to be flexible, but yeah, and we 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 want to communicate. Got it. And because you said you've been there just under two years or roughly two mm -hmm. years, and so my question is, how much quote unquote educating and selling have you had to do? And were you you know brought in to create? a capability or was it the case that this was, you know, baked 90% of the way and you were, you know, adding fuel to an engine that was going down the track at, you know, a pretty high rate of speed already. Uh, what happened there? Well, again, uh, the PTC has been around for, for many years. So it's got a lot of great internally developed programs. Um, and, and especially, uh, very strong in, you know, on the financial side, we are, we, you know, pride ourselves certainly in, in that. Uh, I think in the HR side, uh, this was an area that needed more development, mm -hmm. uh, you know, sort of that insight. And like many organizations, you know, when I think about people analytics, we had a lot of people that started with a spreadsheet and then tried to make sense out of what that was. And what we're trying to do now, for instance, is fortunately with a, a lot of good investment is we can start at the top, right? Mm -hmm. Top down and saying, if you really need to drill in, you can, but let's look at some of those top level trends. Uh, that we're able to do. So, you know, again, it's it's putting that in place and then saying, well, with that, right? And then as we have access as well into more of some of, again, what we're trying to do from a financial and an operational side, what are the skill needs? What are the people needs that we have towards that? And again, I don't want to, you know, please say that we're all the way there, right? Mm -hmm. We are evolving as well as we work with our, uh, you know, partners in the business, but there's definitely a willingness. Well, to, to use my own language, and if I'm mm -hmm. listening today, I'm like, wow, this is cool. This is great. You know, and I've heard like you over the years, particularly in your consulting days, you've probably heard things like, well, we're not there yet. And what I hear, and again, this is my own takeaway, is that you take what I would call a process-centric approach, where you're going out and you're having the discussions, and those discussions are generating you know, priorities for you that you can go and execute against. And if those priorities require a technology solution, then you can effectively have a business case for that. And you're continually educating. Is that a fair, you know, playback or did you start with the data and technology and insight first and then kind of push upstream? You know, what do you, yeah. what was your approach? Yeah, I, from I, again, started with what are our business objectives? At the end of the day, yeah. what do we really need to be able to deliver? Mm -hmm. And then how is best to do that? And the nice thing about, you know, 
from, again, from, you know, an implementation of technology as I look at on, how do we free capacity of the people that we have and get them to do more higher level work? Because that's mm -hmm. the other element that, you know, if you think about future work that we haven't talked about, which is what keeps people engaged as they grow in their careers and change in their skills. So that's uh, an area that we want to be able to do, um, yeah. you know, and build from. So the, yes, it's the, it's the process, but I'm trying not to be dogmatic about, oh, you have to follow X process, but we want to keep it consistent. And obviously we have to maintain, you know, the, the, the security, right. The adherence to any of the rules, we're a global company. So we have to make sure that we, um, you know, honor all of that employment agreements, all sorts of things. So, you know, we, we've embedded that as well, if you will, into our process. Well, I, I, I got another big smile because when you mentioned capacity, um, that is, yeah, there's a lot of talk about skills and there should be, and it's appropriate. Um, there's less talk about capacity, um, although it is framed around burnout and well-being and other concepts, which, which is fantastic. But our ability analytically to really understand capacity is pretty, I would say, immature. That being said, there are a lot of data and approaches now that can shed light on the capacity of the individual and where they're spending their time and so mm -hmm. forth. And we can talk about the ethics of that all day, but at the end of it, um, understanding what people can and cannot do given the constraint of time, um, I think is a beautiful endeavor and one that's needed when you're talking about the future of work and you're talking about, you know, getting things done. Is that well understood amongst those that you're serving or is that something that you're going to, you're socializing? Well, I mean, I think it's more from a socializing standpoint and when we're mm -hmm. building up right as a concept, which is, you know, as we think about, again, serving those objectives, right? There's, there's not just one way you can achieve any objective, right? You can do it through a myriad of approaches. And so I think that's when it also comes into how can we look at those alternatives? And again, hopefully from the business. And again, I don't want to seem it as me who's generating all these ideas. We've got tremendous business counterparts, right? And again, others that are creating so much of the uh, discussion. But it's a matter of saying, how can we achieve what we want to do, right? And then do we invest in people? Do we invest in technology? Where do we invest in people? Where do we do that? And then what can we, you know, deliver, right? In a, in a certain timeframe to be able to have. And that's to me where some of that, that trade-off goes in. But again, I have uh, wonderful colleagues on the robotic process automation front that would also be pushing to say, how can we, um, you know, bring in more automation? Automation can't be done for, for everything. And again, sure. when I'm thinking about capacity, I'm thinking of, you know, if somebody has 20, you know, 2000 hours in a year, how do we want to use that 2000 hours optimally? Absolutely. And again, for helping them also to grow and develop, because what you don't want is people to feel stagnated in their career and not see opportunities for development. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, absolutely love what you're doing. Hey, we got time for one more question. I'm going to toss it over to Alexandra. She said, I would love to hear more about your approach in using skills for workforce planning. How do you think about skills versus job titles, certifications, et cetera? So um, thanks, Alexander. I appreciate that question. Um, this is where um, oftentimes I'll, I'll refer to some of the external data that is available um, through, again, various partners um, that we have that. And so one of the nice things is they can look at, again, not only what are we hiring and posting for, but what are our competitors hiring for, for instance, as an example. And so we look and see, they may call something 
you know, based on a taxonomy, a certain job. But what does that look like from, again, those designated skills? And I think that's just helpful for us as a way of being able to look and see how are we hiring? How are we competitive in the marketplace? And uh, are we, again, thinking about the future? Or are we using some maybe older job descriptions? And so to be able to move it that way. So that's sort of a, a start that we, with the way we want to do that. Clearly, well, there's yeah, I so mean, many Dave, ways that skill development can go. Yeah. And there's so, to your point, there's a lot of work around the taxonomy, you know, for organizations to try and take that on themselves. I do not, frankly, for one, think that's the wisest approach. And it sounds like you echo that. Is that fair? Yeah. I mean, I think, again, there's a lot of wonderful work that's out there that we don't have to all create ourselves internally. And no, so let's leverage that. Again, it goes back to capacity. What can we do and where's it going to add the most value? So we try to do that internally as well. Well, hey, Dave, I mean, thank you for doing this work. I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm thrilled. I, I really, really am. I, I want more uh, leaders to understand it. I want more people to think in, in this way and not only think in this way, but act in this way. Because uh, for us to do people analytics, workforce planning, other disciplines without thinking about you know, how work is going to get done with gig economy, robotic automation, all the other ways it can get done, I think is a miss. And it, it affects the business. It affects, to your point, the capacity of people um, and their ability to move forward and focus on more value-added activities. So right. yeah, congratulations I, on what you've achieved. You. How can Thanks. people I'm learn good. more about you and what you're doing? Um, sure. The best way, again, is the, the two ways, of course, LinkedIn. Uh, please uh, connect me, with me. Um, I'd be, uh, I'd like that. And the other is uh, Twitter. Uh, Dr. Feynman is uh, my handle on Twitter. I uh, don't post as much, but there's so much that's that great that is published and so much great conversation on Twitter. Um, I probably find I use that and, and leverage that an awful lot as well. So, Well, Dave, again, thank you. And uh, you be well and hope to see you uh, in person before too long. Sounds good. Looking right, forward buddy. to it. Thanks for the opportunity. Right, thank you. I right, appreciate it.